What does Abraham have to do with your personal faith journey? How this ancient Old Testament story matters for your life today. That's what we're talking about today on the Tower Hill Podcast. Welcome to the podcast of Tower Hill Church, a church for all generations. This is Pastor Jason. Hope that you're having a great day wherever you're listening uh, from. Maybe you're on your way to work, on your way home from work. Maybe you are just out walking the dog or running errands or taking the kids to sports. Whatever it is that you're doing, I pray that God blesses you here and now as you are listening to this podcast. Well, it is spring in New Jersey, and with spring comes this frenetic pace of craziness that happens every single spring, especially if you're a parent with kids in sports. This is just the absolute craziest time of year, and yet it's also an opportunity to really have some blessing, some good time with your family, some good quality time with your kids, and I pray that Um, wherever your travels take you, uh, that it is time well spent, that it is worth all of the running around and the frenetic pace that you're dealing with. And, And maybe things like this podcast can help you as you are journeying from destination to destination. And as spring has started, we have a whole bunch of events that are coming up. If you're listening to this in real time, it's the end of April. And as we go into May, we have um, my goodness, all sorts of opportunities to engage in the life of Tower Hill Church. Uh, to check out our events or to sign up for events, simply go to towerhillchurch.org and check out everything that is going on. Uh, we have uh, the Canara Ensemble concerts coming up in a couple of weeks. We have our, uh, my goodness, our Bell concert uh, is coming up. We also have our youth fundraiser event. We're calling it a fundraiser. Um, but the idea is we sponsor teenagers to go on two different trips every year. We have a bell tour, which is our handbell tour, and they do so much more even than ring bells for performances, but they really engage in the communities where they're going. And also we have a youth mission trip. And so this year we're going to Camillus, New York, and Both of these require the kids to pay a decent amount of money to go. We want to try to raise money for them and do it in a fun way. So we're having a fundraising event Saturday, May 19th from 5 to 7 p.m. Uh, We're going to have, we're going to raffle off some amazing gift baskets. Uh, There's going to be some, uh, the kids are going to be serving appetizers, but more than that, If you have small kids, bring them because our kids going on our trips are going to do face painting and uh, make it a really fun day for them as well. So we're going to have live music, entertainment. It's going to be a blast, and we hope that you could come. Again, that's May 19th from 5 to 7 p.m. And without any further ado, let's jump into this week's message. Have a great one. We're in our series on starting point, and the whole premise of this series is everything has a starting point, including your faith. And for most of us, our starting point of faith happened when we were kids. Somehow, we were given a childhood framework for how to think about God, how to believe in God. And we learned things about God. We learned that God is good, and we learned that God answers prayer, and we learned that God rewards good and punishes evil. And then we start growing up, we become teenagers, then we know everything. Then we go to college, we're like, well, maybe I didn't know everything. But now I really know everything. And we get out into our adult lives, and and that childhood faith is challenged. 
God is good, we say, yeah, but how come there's so much evil happening in the world? God answers prayer. Yeah, but he didn't seem to answer my prayers when I was praying really hard. God rewards good and punishes evil. Yeah, that's not what I'm seeing in my everyday life. It seems like the opposite is happening. And the whole problem is, is that we've built our adult faith on a childhood perspective. And what we really need is a starting point, a new starting point, a restarting point, where we can own as adults what our faith is, because that's the only way to ensure that our faith is going to be strong enough to be what it needs to be. So our adult starting point of faith isn't just, um, well, the Bible says this or the Bible says that, because we might not care what the Bible says, right? Somebody comes up to you and be like, well, the Bible says, you'd be like, okay, so what? We don't even know why it's supposed to matter. So the adult starting point of faith is answering this question, who is Jesus? That is the question. That is the question to begin our adult version of what our faith ought to be. It's not that your childhood faith was wrong. It just wasn't enough to deal with the complexities of the life that you're living. So it's interesting. Today we're talking about the three largest faiths. So Islam, Judaism, Christianity all claim to have the same starting point. You see that when you just look at the city of Jerusalem, right? There's a reason why Jerusalem is considered a holy site for all three. All three believe that they have the same starting point, and that is in the person of Abraham. We're going to talk about that today and why that actually matters, why Abraham's story actually has a lot to say about your personal faith journey. So here's what uh, the three, they call them the three great religions. They all agree that at some point in the ancient past, humanity messed up. Adam and Eve, they made a choice and sin entered the world and it messed everything up. And there was a flood. There was an epic cleansing of what had gone wrong. And then there was a new starting point and that's where Abraham comes in. That Abraham was the restarting point, the new starting point about what God was going to do next. And that leads to you and I. Now, why do the three different faiths believe it? Well, of course, uh, Muslims believe it because that's what Muhammad teached or teached, taught. <laughs> Thank you. I English speak good. The, uh, the Jews believed it because that's what Moses taught. And we get the story of Genesis. And then the Christians believe it, of course, because this is what Jesus taught. And this new starting point of faith was was Abraham. And then it's right after Abraham, Islam and Judaism immediately part ways. In fact, Islam has a whole different narrative of what happened with Abraham and his lineage of people from that moment forward. Interesting because uh, Islam is seven centuries after Christianity. And they went back and kind of revised the story of what happened with the people of Abraham. But all three agree that Abraham was the starting point. And this all actually matters to your personal faith journey. So to understand the significance of Abraham, I, I want to share a story with you. Uh, when I was growing up, I was, I was about five or six. You got to give me, you know, give me a mulligan on some of the details. I was pretty young. And I was at a friend's house. For some reason, I remember their names, Seth and Mariah, brother and sister. have no idea why I remember that detail. But we were doing what kids do, and we were jumping on the living room furniture. Right. 
uh, we're having a great time playing superheroes. Uh, Super Friends was a thing back then, playing superheroes. And you always knew your pecking order in your friendships when you were Superman. Whoever's Superman, they're really ruling this little friend club you got going on. And of course, this guy was Superman. And so as we're playing superheroes and we're jumping, you know, couch to chair to... These are not actual pictures of me. This is, this is a, just a, a likeness. Uh, so, but it looked a lot like that. We're just destroying their poor living room, jumping around. And then I get really aggressive with one of my jumps. And I end up hitting a living room window, much like you see in front of you, hearing a loud crack. I don't think that was my skull. I think it was the window. But as I kind of recovered from that massive (laughs) blow to the head, I remember doing one of these like, (laughs) you know, and then getting up. And then my friend, Seth, looks at me and he goes, ah! And I'm like, what? And then I see in front of my eyes a drip, drip, drip. And it's like getting worse. And then I, little five-year-old me, put my hand here. Look at my hand. Ah! Seth goes and gets his mom. Mom comes running in. And she looks at me and she said, I told you, kids, no jumping on the furniture. It's your own fault. Hold your hand to your head and stop the bleeding. And she leaves the room. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. She, She didn't say that. What kind of monster? No. No, of course she didn't. Of course she didn't do that. She she got like really compassionate, really nervous for me. Did whatever she could to you know calm me down to stop the bleeding. Yes, it was my own stupid fault. I did it, but she was taking care of me. And then you know, my called my parents, and everybody was just going out of the way to take care of me, just to rescue me, to stop the bleeding, to fix me, to stitch me up, and all the things that needed to happen. This is not unlike what God did. We knew the rules. We knew we weren't supposed to be jumping on the furniture. And we did it, and we got hurt, and we bled. And he could have just said, well, fine then. No, that's not what he did. He doubled down on us. (laughs) He got personally involved in our rescue. Why? He loves us. What kind of God that we believe in wouldn't do that? He loves us. This is why Abraham's story, I believe, matters for us here and now. God had a choice. Move on or get personally involved. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this person, Abraham. Abram, Abraham, I know it's confusing. Some points he's called Abram, some points he's called Abraham. One way that I heard it explained that I happen to agree with is um, the name change happens after he's made a covenant with God. And the thinking is, is just like in the English language, the Hebrew language is the same. It has certain vowels that are breathers or has letters that are breathers, like the H. In ours, it's a breather letter. You, you breath, you, you, you breathe when you say it. it's breathy. <sighs> Very similar in the Hebrew language. And the idea was he had received the breath of God when he made a covenant with God. And that's why he went from Abram to Abraham. Sarai 
to Sarah. It was something that was received in their relationship with God, which I always thought was kind of cool. That being said, I'm going to refer to him as Abraham, even though the scripture is going to say Abram. Just don't be confused. Now, this was some 2,000 years before Jesus, just about, give or take, right? Long time before Jesus Christ. He was an idol-worshiping man. And by the way, this picture comes from the Bible miniseries that was on a couple years ago. I love this version of Abraham because he was tough. He like fought with his staff and so I just thought it was cool. So I like this guy, this actor who portrayed him. Um, he wasn't just like this passive, you know, and sometimes biblical characters just become kind of like a portrait or something or a uh, needlepoint, a version of themselves. <laughs> anyway, an idol worshiping man. So uh, you know, there was no reason to like pick him per se. He had no children and therefore no future. Now this was big back then. Your whole way of continuing as a family had to do with your kids, your family, your heirs to what you had. You were a nomadic culture and all you had was like livestock. Well, think about the things of value you had. You had your livestock, you had other things that you could trade. That was everything that you had. And it was all about, if you were going to keep going, you had to have kids to hand it, to have sons to hand it to. I guess it's not that different than it is today, but there was a lot more pressure. And God picks him. God chooses him for no reason that was apparent to Abraham or to us, but God saw something that none of us, including Abraham, could see. And so we go into our scripture today. This is from Genesis 12. Beginning with verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now let's just, let's pause right there. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, I'm God. Like there's no kind of like getting acquainted. It's just, all right, here's, here's what. Uh, I, God, am saying to you now, get ready. I'm going to take everything of value to you, everything that you think is important. I'm going to tell you to go somewhere else. Where? Oh, I'll tell you. A land I will show you. I'm not going to tell you now. I just need you to get up, pack your stuff, and go. And then God gives him three promises. All three were promises he never saw in his lifetime. Here's promise number one. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Great nation. That must have sounded like nonsense to him. Have you ever felt like God was telling you that this seemed like nonsense? How in the world am I going to get there when, when I'm here? A great nation, I don't have any kids, and I'm way beyond grandparent age. Like I just, I'm not seeing it in my future, God. Great nation, are you kidding me? And I will bless you. That was promise one, which we know came true. Promise two, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will make your name great. Just a little show of hands. How many have heard of Abraham before? Before today. Okay. How many of you heard of Zoar, king of Bala? No one? He was really popular back in Abraham's day. Well, apparently his name didn't make the list. He was one of the most powerful men to rule during the time of Abraham. But God made Abraham, this nobody from nowhere, with no family, no future, 
he made this name great. And then the third is, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. The world is going to be better off because I'm blessing you. Now, if you take a step back and say, is that true? Well, as Christians, we certainly believe that's true. And I would say all three of those major religions that care about Abraham would say that that's true. That's a matter of faith as to whether or not we're all better off because of that. But something happens very soon after that is one of the most important things that happens in the Old Testament. And when we read it, it actually seems like an afterthought. It actually introduces a whole new theological category that matters for your personal journey of faith more than you probably ever knew. So let's go to Genesis 15. Abram was praying one night. He was worried. He was worried because, okay, I'm, I'm still old, God. Don't want to remind you. I still don't have an heir, and I'm worried that I'm going to have to give everything to my servant. And so he's praying to God, which, interesting, he's showing a faith already, right? Even before the name change. like He's like, I'll settle for one. I don't need a nation. I just need one. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, that's the servant, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. You ever have one of those looking at the stars moments where you're like, I feel God that there's more for me. I'm, I'm wrestling, I'm restless. That's usually a sign that God's got something more around the corner is you're feeling really restless with where you are now. God's preparing you for a transition, a change, a growth, a step. That's usually how that works. That's definitely how it's worked in my own life. I get that feeling of, uh, oh, something's coming. I don't, I don't know what that means. It usually means God's ready to do something new in me or more through me or for me. But he has this moment, and then, again, it feels like it's not even a big deal in context when we read this next verse, but this is a game changer. It changes. It's a whole new category, and it's something that matters to your individual faith very much. This is verse 6. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Don't miss the importance of this. What does it mean to be righteous? It means to be in right standing with God. How do you be in right standing with God? You are, your sins are taken care of. Right? They are justified. To be righteous is to be in right standing with God. How is that possible when we haven't even gotten to Moses and the Ten Commandments yet? We haven't gotten to God's law yet. This is all before all of that. And what we see happen is faith is the key to righteousness. Faith. This is the faith that comes way later in Jesus Christ. But all the way back here to Abraham was this new way of thinking. 
that righteousness wasn't about what you do, it's about what you believed. To be made right with God, righteousness comes by faith. All the way back to Abraham. And theologians and scholars and the church has debated this ever since. What does that mean? How's that possible? How could he be right? How could this be correct? I don't know. But God was telling us something about the way he works with humanity. Faith is the key to righteousness. So this idol worshiper from nowhere special has a right standing with God because he believed. This is a big, big idea. And this leads us to our starting point of faith. It was after that moment that God made a covenant with him and his name changed. When he was credited his faith as righteousness, that's when the change happened. I find that so amazing and significant and in a way puzzling. But I, it is entirely possible that religion has made things too complicated. I'm just throwing that out there. Yes, your pastor of your Presbyterian church just said, I was just verifying, you heard that correctly, religion perhaps has made things too complicated. Perhaps. But the Christian faith is, is much different than the other two faiths of the book, as they say. Abrahamic origin faiths. Right? So Jewish believed that it was all about your birth. That being in Abraham's lineage alone guaranteed you a relationship with God. That's how you were in by birth. Muslim belief was that there's a system to earn your way It's a paradise through both behavior and birth and God's messengers and good deeds and belief. Kind of all all of those things. And then there's Christian belief that says righteousness by grace through faith. Here's what I believe. This This is why I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because of Jesus. That sounds really dumb, but it's... It's not. I'm a Christian because Jesus was the perfect one in my place. I couldn't earn my way, so he did it for me. And the way that that becomes effective for me is through faith. I say yes into what I believe. Because those are kind of three general ways people think about, how do I know that I am in right standing with God? And this is a question we all end up facing at some point, right? That question is, on what grounds, if any, will God find me acceptable? This is a question I think everybody asks. If there is a God, on what grounds will he, he, she, it, but like whatever you believe about God, find me acceptable? Well, it's either by birth or it's by behavior or it's by belief. I talk with folks all the time who are um, in the skeptical category, which I love because I feel like I have a very skeptical heart. So I identify with 
questioners, skeptics, people who aren't sure, people who don't buy it. Um, I love that because I was them. (laughs) And I often get into a conversation about this, and it's, okay, um, and they'll usually say to me something like, Christianity is arrogant. And I'll say, what do you mean? Why do you say that? Well, you claim to know the way. How can anybody really know the way? That's a really arrogant thing to say, that you're right and everybody else is wrong, that Jesus Christ is the way and everybody else is wrong. I'm like, okay, well, what do you believe? Tell me the better way. And and nine times out of ten, they start with the same thing. Well, I believe if I'm a good person, I'm going to get to, you know, God's going to accept me and I'm going to be in heaven with him. That's the kind of God I believe in, that if I'm a good person, who would punish a good person? I'm like, okay, fair enough. What do you mean by good person? Well... Won't kill anybody? That's usually the first one. They set the bar really low, right? Oh, kill anybody? Okay, say more. I help other people. I, uh, I'm charitable, generous. I love my family. I work hard. You know, good person. Okay, all right. Well, who decides who's a good person and who isn't? Like, is there a is there a cutoff that happens? Who, who decides that? Well, everybody. What do you mean? Well, I, you know, everyone decides. Like, it's, well, I'm a good person. So I want to tell somebody else how to be a good person. So they figure out how they're going to be a good person. And then what happens in the end? Then we all, we go to heaven and play golf or drink scotch or whatever it is we do up in, up in heaven, you know? Okay. So where did you get that belief from? Is my next like, where'd you, where'd you get that? It's like, I just, you know, I kind of thought it up. Like, this is what I believe. And I don't say it this harsh. I'm going to say it harsh now. I don't say it to them like this because I have a soul. I say, okay. So you invented your own religion and you say Christianity is arrogant. You decided how it's all going to go down. And listen, yes, depending on which branch of the Christian faith that you're in and what season you're in and what church, it can feel like there were a whole bunch of rules that were created and we have to follow and there's something that's not relational about it and doesn't work. But what I said, I, I stand by, I'm a Christian because of Jesus. I believe because of Jesus, that there was a Jesus Christ who lived, who claimed to be the Son of God, who performed miracles that were witnessed by thousands, who was put to death and his followers claimed raised from the dead. Nobody ever found the body. And all the disciples were martyred believing in the risen Jesus. And I know this because when I put my faith in Jesus and God declared me or credited me as righteous, I felt the breath of God enter my life too. But at some point, we have to answer this question honestly. On what grounds, if any, will God find me acceptable? Well, I believe it's because of the perfect acceptability of Jesus that I'm acceptable at all. 
It's borrowed. It's credited as righteousness. It's not my own righteousness. And now back to our starting point of faith. Who is Jesus? A couple of things from Abraham's story. I think the first is, he's the starting point for a personal relationship with God. And that happens through trust. It happens through faith. It happens through belief. And then the second is, he credits us with righteousness through faith alone. I believe this is the starting point for an adult faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to pray for all of us, for you, wherever you are in your faith. You could have been, you could have had a relationship with Jesus your whole life, or you are still somebody who was on the fence or on the other side of the fence, not sure. I want to tell you, you're in the right place. This is not a place for people who have it all figured out. Secret, none of us have it all figured out. All we know is that we believe. And I pray that that's what you know too. 